Hello, and welcome back to the Baltic Sunbox Podcast. Now, we've had a couple of days off, but um, it's time to jump back in to some of the news. And this big picture section episode um, will actually be focused on the economy, because there is news coming out that will not be welcome listening to anyone in the public sector, um, nor actually particularly to anyone in the economy right now. Hard times lie ahead, and it's time to have a look at some of the... um, problems and issues that face the Chancellor of the Exchequer in the upcoming months. So, with that said and done, it's time to have a look at the economy on this episode of the Politics Unboxed podcast. Yes, uh, as the former uh, election aide or chief electoral strategist to uh, former President Bill Clinton once said, uh, this episode is about the economy. Um, Or rather, he was saying the point of uh, most election campaigns is the economy. Um, He put it in slightly different language. But um, yes, it is, as always, the economy, uh, the biggest section of public concerns when they are looking for who to vote for in a government. And for that reason, it necessarily gets a lot of attention. Um, The biggest divides between the parties, uh, whether it's in the US or the UK, are probably on the economy. Um, And it all comes down to values, judgments, at the end of the day. And those values and uh, principles are going to be tested heavily over the next couple of months. They've already been tested by um, nine months of the coronavirus it is not over yet. And that's a decision that the Chancellor of the Exchequer, Rishi Sunak, is going to have to be wrestling with. Um, as the economy is forced to make um, bounce after bounce to try and escape recession, depression, um, however you want to label it. Now, there will be a spending review next week, and it's time... Uh, for the inevitable stream of leaks and hints and gossip to flow. And one of those bits of gossip is that millions and millions of public sector workers are facing a pay freeze after the spending review, as um, the Chancellor is making the case for pay restraint. Um, Now, this comes after a fall in the private sector earnings this year, Um, I think everyone's earnings have actually dropped off a little bit uh, because of, I don't know, a global pandemic. Um, And the Treasury is really trying to prop up the public finances after nearly £200 billion worth of expenditure on the coronavirus. And as I said, more to come. Um, Now, uh, the Treasury has declined to comment so far on these rumours of public sector pay freezes, but it's pointed to a letter by Mr Sunak uh, about the spending review uh, saying in the interest of fairness we must exercise restraint in future public sector pay awards ensuring that across this year and the spending review period public sector pay levels retain parity with the private sector. Um, Now this parity argument comes from an ONS survey in September Um, The Office for National Statistics had calculated that public sector workers on average earned 7% more than private sector workers last year. And that gap will probably have widened further this year, where private earnings have fallen 
due to shutdowns, whilst public sector wages have mostly been maintained. Um, the Chancellor's wish, therefore, to keep this parity probably means either a freeze or cap on pay levels or pay increases in the coming years. And it will be justified as a response to this split, this split sorry, um, from parity. Uh, a report from the Centre for Policy Studies has also suggested that a three-year freeze on public sector wages could save £23 billion by 2023, or, if NHS workers were exempted from it, £15 billion worth of savings. Um, it doesn't quite cover £200 billion, and it does seem like scant reward for those people in the public sector who have been lauded as having kept the country going over the coronavirus. Um, it seems especially harsh if NHS workers are not to be made exempt from this freeze. Um, I know that we pay health workers to be on the front line uh, of these pandemics and of our healthcare struggle, but as everyone has been saying in government over this past year nearly, these are unprecedented and exceptional circumstances, and they deserve unprecedented and exceptional rewards for those people who have been, uh, yeah, who, who who have been putting themselves in in harm's way. Um, the police, uh, the emergency services, the NHS, teachers who've had to run schools and deal with twists and turns and shifting um, between online and in person. They're all public sector workers. There are about five and a half million public sector workers who are possibly going to be affected, um, with about two million um, having pay deals set by pay review bodies. Um, but even if NHS workers are going to be exempted from this freeze, uh, in a way of sort of reflecting their efforts in the pandemic, um, the most affected could include uh, the armed forces, police, teachers and civil servants. As I said, those people who've been lauded for their service to the nation during the pandemic. Um, indeed, we might have been clapping outside our houses at 8pm for the NHS and key workers. Uh, but now it seems as if they will go, well, a clap is enough. And that doesn't seem right. Um, now, in July, um, almost 900,000 public sector workers were given an above average, uh, an above inflation pay rise. That included doctors and teachers because of what the government called their vital contribution during the pandemic. Many workers missed out. Um, and there are many unions who are going to be campaigning vehemently against a pay freeze. General Secretary of Unison, Dave Prentice, said um, that reports of pay restraint for all but frontline NHS staff would be a cruel body blow to other health care and public service employees working tirelessly to get us through the pandemic. It would also backfire badly with the public. The government must do what's right next week and announce that wage rise all staff have more than earned. Anything less risks damaging morale when the entire country is counting on them. And I think that's a compelling argument. Um, we've already seen in the last decade of conservative economic and fiscal policy um, 
that pay has been capped at uh, just below inflation levels for the public sector, or pay increases have been capped, and in some places frozen for long periods of time for the public sector. Um, so they've been going sort of behind the curve for, for some years. Only recently has there been an attempt made by um, some chancellors to try and catch up the, um, the the rates of pay for those in the public sector. And now work that the public sector is doing to keep the country moving during these unprecedented and very uncertain times to hit those frontline key workers with a pay freeze. It doesn't seem right. And I, I know that the arguments of, of parity between the private and the public sector will be made, and, and savings have to come from somewhere. But do they really have to come from here? Now, government borrowing is up to a peacetime record. Uh, the national debt is now over 100% of the economy. Our public debt is now £2.06 trillion. Pounds. Um, now, the government borrowing was £36.1 billion pounds in September. Um, £28.4 billion pounds more than the previous year. The third highest of any month since records began in 1993. Uh, all of these are not good signs for a Conservative government which prides itself on fiscal management. I mean, when the Cameron uh, Osborne government came into power in uh, 2010, originally propped up by Liberal Democrats in coalition, and then uh, increasingly veering uh, further into Conservative policy uh, after that, for that, that one year and a bit they got, 2015-16. Um, we saw cutbacks, we saw freezes, uh, and we saw austerity policy. Tax up, spend down. The UK economy... Um, may have been arguably shored up by it, but it could also have prolonged our recovery from the 2008 financial crisis. Indeed, there are some um, well-known scholars of economics, Paul Krugman being sort of the the, the key uh, leader on this, who's a, a Nobel Prize winner for economics, uh, who said that actually the signs of recovery under the first few years, or rather the last few years, of new Labour with Gordon Brown as Prime Minister were actually arguably better than the actual recovery we saw under the Conservative Liberal Democrat coalition. Um, and I wonder if going along those same policies could be uh, not the, the recovery rate we need. Um, all this talk at the start of, <laughs> I say at the start, in the middle of the, the pandemic was about whether we have a V-shaped recession or a U-shaped recession, or recovery, rather. Um, and everyone wants a V-shaped recovery. Um, the plunge is severe, but the bounce back is superb. And we did see possible signs of that. We, we saw a growth of about 15% in a monthly growth um, last month in the UK economy. But of course, if you've dropped by 20-30%, um, 15% of a lower number doesn't come close enough to, to rebounding the economy. And that first rebound uh, was the result of restrictions being opened up again. Um, if people can spend money again, consumption will go up and the economy will bounce back to some level. 
Um, it won't stay at the level it was during the lockdown. But I worry now that we're facing the possibilities of a U-shaped recovery, where we are bouncing along the bottom of an economic downturn for several months, several quarters, possibly years before we can make that uptake to go back to where we were before the pandemic, possibly even in a stronger position or in, a, in a, just a different position because the economic circumstances may well have, have changed. The mood of the nation in terms of the economy may well have changed. Um, and I think this, this U-shaped recovery is a real possibility. We are having reports coming out of um, major think tanks in London and the surrounding area um, who have their ear to the ground, they know what's going on, saying we could well be seeing the deep effects of the coronavirus all the way through until well into 2022 in our economy. Um, and I don't think that's just pure scaremongering or absent-minded speculation. This um, pandemic will stay with us for a while, and the economic impact and effects of it will stay with us even longer. Um, the Chancellor has some tough, tough decisions up ahead. I, I don't envy him, but I do wonder what values judgments will be brought in to decide um, how the uh, how the different spending areas and fundraising areas for the government are prioritised. Will sort of tuition rates go up? Uh, will students be hit harder by the Tory government again? Um, will pensions go down? Will state contributions to pensions go down? Again, I, I, I doubt that. Um, we saw what happens the last time the Conservatives tried to change something involving the uh, the older population, which was the Theresa May's policy, which was referred to as sort of a, a, a death tax. Um it didn't go very well, so I don't see them touching uh, that sort of policy. Will it come from welfare benefits? Well, we've seen from sources that they've been sort of scraped to the bone from the last Conservative tranche of cuts on uh, on welfare. So where's the money going to come from? Well, it, it, it won't come from more borrowing, surely, if the Conservatives are going to have uh, a shred of their credibility left in relation to the economic policy that they have pitched their last decade's worth of economic management on. So with all that said, um, fundraising options look limited. And wherever the Chancellor goes, it will it will be a, a values judgment mixed in with a returns. Um, yes, he will be looking for the, the highest returns, but if those high returns don't match with where the, the Conservative economic policy is, then, um, then he won't go there, and he'll go somewhere else. And then a matter of where it's going to be spent on, well, I see it being spent on UBI, universal basic income, it just doesn't, there's some sort of cognitive distance of holding the ideas of uh, conservatism and UBI, apparently. Uh, maybe that will change in the future. Um, so where will it go? We'll have to wait and see. What I do know for sure is that the Chancellor has been in for an increasingly hard time over the last couple of weeks and months. Um, when he was announcing all the schemes in April, May, June, July, and getting the plaudits for propping up the economy. I think he thought it was going to be a shorter-term job than it'll have to turn out to be. Now he has to make the hard decisions, the really 
hard decisions, decisions that could have been made in the October spending review, decisions that could have been made in a summer spending review, but no, nearly everything of the big decisions, the real tax and spend decisions have been postponed. Um, the autumn statement was cancelled essentially, and replaced with a small spending review. Um, he's putting a lot of pressure on his March budget, that's all I'm going to say. Um, I wonder if the public perception of Rishi Sunak as the affable and smiling and kind, the gentler face of this Conservative government, I wonder if that could be about to take a severe pummeling in the next week. Anyway, that is all the time we have for today on the Politics Unlocks podcast, so I want to thank you very much for listening. I hope to see you all around again soon for the next episode, and until then, goodbye. Thank you.